Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm in the beautiful Spurgeon Library, as always, in the studio with Ronnie Kurtz, my partner in crime, who is the least likely person to commit a crime that I've probably <laughs> ever known in my life. How are you doing, brother? Doing well and uh, committing no crimes. So. That's right. <laughs> At least not today. That's right. But the day is still young. That's right. <laughs> hey, is it, uh, do you think, finally spring? I don't know. You know, in the Midwest, we have learned to not get our hopes up. I think spring is sprung, but I say that, it'll probably be like an ice storm tonight. That's right. It'll come in. That's right. <laughs> when we planted the church, the first three Easter's, we wanted to have like a big Easter egg hunt, but they were all canceled due to snow. Okay. Three years in a row. <laughs> like, are you yeah. kidding me? This is ridiculous. You know, when I was um, interviewing for uh, my last pastor in Vermont, and we went up to visit. I think I actually had already been hired, but I hadn't moved up yet. And we went up in July. I was, I think I was officially starting in August or September. And I went up to visit in July just to preach and yeah. kind of, you know, put some stuff in the house or something. And uh, some friends of ours from Nashville went with us. And it, and this, so it was like, it was July 4th. <laughs> and July 4th and... There was a fireworks. They have an annual, you know, you know, tradition fireworks show at this, you know, elementary school, and and the joke is like you could, you know, probably get hurt if you go to this thing. Yeah. So it's like it's like Perfect. just this herb, you know, local, you know, legendary <laughs> thing. And so we went to this uh, fireworks show at the elementary school, and at you know, so the sun goes down. It's time for the fireworks show. Man, it was cold. Like we had blankets <laughs> and jackets. I was like, it is July in yeah, Vermont. Where right. are we moving? Yeah. So we're not quite there yet. Here it gets really hot in July. Yeah. Um, but right just, when I was saying <laughs> that it was snowing on Easter, I thought that's not impressive to him. He he was in New England. <laughs> no, it's actually um, somewhat uh, 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 intimidating because I'm I'm done with winter. Amen. This this is like I'm over it. I, I can deal with the snow, but. But we get ice here. That's not anything that I'm used to <laughs> no. messing around with. So it's good. You've been okay? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing all right. And I'm trying to figure out, um, we bought a, a vehicle that has a satellite radio. Have you heard of this? Okay. I, a satellite radio. It's, it's I have a heard of that. Radio. <laughs> it's, a, it's a newer vehicle. So so uh, it's new. Normally, you know, what we've been driving for like 20 years are either cars that have been handed down to us from yeah, our parents or just, you know, some older vehicle that, you know, we can, you know, just about pay cash for. Consequently, you end up paying like four times that in, in repair right. bills. Absolutely. So we just thought, enough with that. Every time I go out of town, the car breaks down and Becky gets stuck. So we thought, let's buy a newer car. So it's not a new car. It's a newer car. But yeah. it, it, everything's computers. Have you realized that? Everything today is computers, man. <laughs> these are really fun realizations you're learning about satellite <laughs> like, radio and computers. It's like everything is computers these days. I think even our phones are computers. Yeah, it's if crazy. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But it had uh, this trial run when we when we got the car. It was like two, three months free trial of serious xm and it really spoiled me because (laughs) you can find music that isn't on the regular radio you know station that this is going to show my age as well i listen to the radio yeah i I can't figure out how to just wait until you learn about spotify that's one computer too many i think if i did that uh but like there's 50s music i love 50s music and they and it's real easy for like dum-dums like me you don't have to like search (laughs) around 50s is on channel five and 60s is on channel six. How brilliant. And 70. And you know where this is going. It's like uh, yeah. that. So if you're just thinking like, I really want to hear Pat Benatar right now, you want channel eight because <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be on the eighties on eight or, you know, it, it'd be, you know, it'd be good to hear some, you know, Chuck Berry or something. Yeah. You want channel five. Yeah. And so the trial ended and I've been stuck on this one radio station because I can't figure out how to do presets on this computer in the car. So I've been listening to the same radio station for now three months in Those a row. Those space cars will get you stuck on a, space, uh, will. on a station. And so I can't figure out. I need to get the satellite yeah. radio because there's no commercials. 
And there's just stuff that, you know, I, I've discovered, even just like searching through radio stations, did you know that Michael McDonald, you know who that is, Michael McDonald? Okay. I don't. Uh, oh, my word. We need to educate you. So he used to be in the Doobie Brothers, which is a okay. band in the 70s. I, I, I know who that is. <laughs> don't ask yeah. me to explain what a Doobie is, but <laughs> they were the brothers of the Doobie. And they, they had some hits. You know, you probably yeah. heard China Grove. Of course. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Oh, China Grove. Please yeah, keep going. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Michael McDonald. He is on at any given moment. On 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 the airwaves at any time. You just search through. You're gonna find a Michael McDonald song. Yeah, it is. He is always on the air, and the station that I listen to, he's on probably every 90 minutes. There's Michael McDonald, um, <laughs> you know, or Billy Joel's. Uh, they have like two songs that Billy Joel sing. I guess That's this is good. So I'm yeah. I gotta figure out the satellite. That's my major conundrum right now. Man, I'm so sorry that you're. Going I got through more. This. I'll save it for banner for future episodes. But I like it. There's just I like it. We're gonna start every episode with like Jared's beef of the. I like it. Of the week. Let's grind in Jared's gears. <laughs> right now, it's satellite. <laughs> hey, something else that's not grinding my gears, but something that I thought would be good to talk about is um, outlining versus manuscripting yeah. for sermons. We just had Michael Kruger, great scholar, uh, theologian, uh, churchman here at Midwestern for was the Sizemore Lectures. Uh, Scudder Lectures. The Scudder Lectures. Yeah. Sizemore Lectures are coming up. That's yes. right. Yep. He, uh, here for the Scudder Lectures. Fascinating work on uh, the doctrine of inspiration, yeah. um, including... Uh, what the early church fathers mm-hmm. uh, thought about inspiration, or, or yeah, his uh, visit was fun. I I was thoroughly impressed a number of times with just how he his his research and how he was answering questions. And he came and spoke to the residential PhD students here, and and even even in that meeting, it was just I was impressed. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Um, so what I thought I'd talk about is very recently he uh, wrote a blog post or an online article. I don't know what the difference is. What's the difference between an article and a blog post? <laughs> It's on, it's on the it's on the computers. That's right. Everything, yeah. everything's, everything on computers. Is on computer, Jared. <laughs> everything's on computers these days. <laughs> but if you go on one of your computers, uh, you'll find on the blog Cannon Fodder or the website Cannon Fodder. I don't know which one it is. Uh, an article that he wrote recently. This is uh, March 2nd, 2020, uh, called Should You Preach from a Full Manuscript? Which kind of got my attention. Uh, I'm a preacher. You're a preacher. That's right. We like to talk preaching, and preachers right. tend to do that. We want to know about you know uh, uh, preparation, technique. You know, all those sorts of things. And I found it really fascinating. I thought maybe we, we could interact with it a little bit. Um, Kruger sort of comes down. He He's very uh, fair-minded um, towards the end where basically he he gives a nod to <coughs> different approaches work for different preachers. Um, and so he's not dogmatic about this at all. Uh, but some of the things he said I think um, may be worth interacting with in terms of uh, working with a, a manuscript. And basically he says preachers sh- uh, should not generally – preach from a full manuscript, but rather some kind of outline, detailed outline, or um, even uh, memorizing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, portions of your of your sermon. Um, I want to know, I mean, do you preach from a full manuscript? Do you preach from an outline? Or I you, do. You, you, you taking yeah. the post-it note up there? <laughs> Are you like Andy Stanley with just the computer? N- no. Okay. No, I take no computers. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a fun, when, when you suggested this particular topic for a, a podcast episode, I know your practice, yeah. and so I knew this was going to be fun because we're we're similar. <laughs> okay, I, I I manuscript my sermons and I preach from that manuscript. Okay, like word for word, mm-hmm. almost word for word. I yeah. mean, there there are times where I'll deviate from the manuscript, but it's not going to be far. Okay, so um, what would be? Let's talk about because neither of us are outline guys. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the pros of preaching from an outline? This will be some of the things that Kruger kind of recommends in his post, but also just things you know that you've thought of. Uh, what are advantages rather than us as manuscript guys saying, ah, don't preach from an outline, <laughs> what could be the advantages of it? Yeah, of course. I think there are legitimate advantages. And 
And what helps in being a manuscript guy is knowing the advantages of the outline format and then working hard to not, you know, yeah, right. to not mess those things up. Yeah. So I think the advantage of an outline would be, and, and Kruger even puts this in his article, I do think there is a an easier avenue to actually interact with the audience yeah. from an outline. You know, you're, you're, you can <clears throat> you can watch, you can kind of uh, immediately adjust on how things are going. You know the temperature of the room a little better. Um, because you're a little more out of your notes. Yeah. And so I do think that can be helpful. Um, an advantage, I, I I hear it's an advantage. I'm not convinced this is an actual advantage. Yeah. But one of the adva- people that do outline style, one of the things they tell me is that they feel like there's a little bit more room for the spirit to move in the moment of of preaching to which I say he's he seems to be active in my study as well when I'm <laughs> right, writing. Right, right, yeah. But, uh, but I, I do know that a lot of brothers enjoy that, the, yeah. the freedom to, to kind of move and, and maneuver and shift things around as they're going. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he calls it bubble preaching. That's right. Yeah, uh, bubble in terms, preaching. Yeah, preaching from a full manuscript. He says the tendency is that you're so tied to what you're reading that you're not able to engage with your congregation. So mm-hmm. lack of eye contact. Uh, being able to even discern, you know, posture or as you said, you know, so the temperature of the room and you just end up in this sort of sermon bubble yeah. where you're just occupied with getting that content out there. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I really um, appreciated was um, him saying that the sermon isn't, you know, uh, ultimately or uh, only solely about a content delivery system. That's right. Right. Um, which ties into things that we've, you know, championed on the podcast and and that I know, you know, both you and I have, uh, you know, trained, you know, men at our church in terms of preaching in relation to, which is that the sermon is in effect an act of worship itself. Amen. Yeah. That you're exalting in, in, you know, in those scriptures. It's not a lecture. It's not primarily, an inf- you know, a data dump. Let me mm-hmm. just do a running commentary on the text. But it is a declaration. It's proclamation. Yeah. And and so, therefore, the sermon shouldn't be seen as simply a TED Talk or um, or as a lecture, an academic lecture, mm-hmm. where I'm just going to kind of do this, uh, uh, you know, information transfer to you. So I understand that. Um, I'll just tell you personally, the bubble preaching thing for me, that is more of a an issue if I'm not using a full manuscript. Really? Enough. Yeah, I think it's, you know, somewhat ironic uh, based on what he's saying. And here's why. Because— when I um, am not, um, well, just, you know, like right now in this moment, I'm having to search for what I want to say. Yeah, yeah. And even uh. if I've, re- you know, really thought through everything, even if I've somewhat memorized kind of what I want to say, it it becomes a sort of performance for me. And this is just mm. for me. I'm not saying, you know, every guy who uses a, a, an outline, you know, this, you know, has the same effect on them. But for me, I'm having to search for my next word, my my next line. And my brain is so occupied with where I'm going that that takes me out of being able to connect with yeah. the people around. Um, but when I have a manuscript, I know exactly where I'm going. I don't have to think about what my next line, what the next sermon point is. Mm-hmm. It's it's all right there. And that actually frees me up to connect with people. I make better eye contact. Mm-hmm. I'm able to read the room a lot better because I, you know, I'm not constantly, you know, having to search for what my next word or phrase yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you, uh, you know, have you always preached from a manuscript? I have. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, from the very beginning. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, from the very, very beginning, m- maybe not. It was, <laughs> who knows what it was. It was yeah. a hodgepodge of a lot of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but pretty early on, I was challenged by a preacher who I still love and adore and appreciate to, to manuscript. 
And he was very passionate about it, much more than I would be. Um, I would probably end up speaking in the same kind of language that Kruger does. I actually really like that he he started the article by saying something to the effect of, you know, I, I am not looking forward to wading into the waters of talking about preaching method because there's yeah. so many people who are already doing that. Right. And and you're you're basically only going to not make friends. And so I, I get that impulse. So I would speak about, you know, the the conviction for me, the personal conviction to fully manuscript. Um, while I, while it is held in a number of areas, why, I have a number of reasons why I do it. Um, it. It's not like this. If you're not doing this, you're crazy kind of thing. Um, but I have done it early. Uh, yeah. From from kind of the very beginning of my preaching ministry until today. Uh, yeah. For the first probably ten years or so of of preaching, um, which wasn't you know in the first several years of of me preaching, it wasn't every week. Yeah. So that probably has something to do with it as well. But you know, for the first ten years or so. Including for the first probably um, you know couple of years of uh, being a lead pastor, I preached from a, a detailed outline. It'd be about three or four pages, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of things I noticed. Like looking back, um, <clears throat> I think in general every preacher gets better the more they do it, no matter what kind of format you're mm-hmm. using, and no matter what format you're using, what you've committed to, you get better at that for sure. Um, which kind of speaks, I think. You know, he he talks about a, a preacher's development yeah. or um, that sort of thing. There are people who, when they, <clears throat> excuse me, when they preach from a manuscript, it sounds like they're reading a manuscript. That's exactly right. Yeah. And he says um, that's the tendency, and so it's one reason to go to an outline. I, I want to push back on that a little bit to say most guys don't give it enough time to get good at it. That's right. You, you're not going to be hitting home runs um, right off the bat, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, to give it time, and if you just a year in or what have you, or, or you know, some guys give up even you know sooner than that. It's like oh, I just can't do this. It sounds like I'm reading. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to sit through a dry, you know some guy just reading some papers that are up here, and and they give up before they're you know able to develop the kind of impulses and instincts that you need to kind of track. Um, just last week, I was talking to uh, uh, a pastor who preaches from an outline. He said, "I've tried the manuscript, and um, I uh, I was always losing my place. I wasn't mm-hmm. able." to look back down at my page and know where I had left off. So I'm trying to connect with the congregation. Looking down, I'm, I'm searching. And I think to some extent we may be over-exaggerating that lapse of time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think we feel like, you know, every second for us feels like five minutes That's to the congregation. Right, yeah. And it's really not. Like pauses are okay. Having these little breaks of silence. Now, if you like, don't know what page you're on, like that's <laughs> maybe that's an issue. I um, tell my wife all the time that I, I always have a bottle of water when I preach, and okay. I almost never need it. Okay, uh, I don't need it because I have a dry mouth or anything. Right. It's just there as a safety blanket if I ever do. Yes. get crazy lost. Right, all I need is three you just, seconds. You just want to take. Yes, right. That's and right. so a drink of water is enough for me to like refine my spot. Yeah. Well, I, I just think guys give up too soon. That's right. Before they get good at it, so they don't know. There are genuinely guys who have, you know, they've given it enough time and they realize this just doesn't work for me in the way that I need uh, uh, to deliver a sermon to people. What I discovered, um, just kind of looking back on my outline preaching days, was a couple of things. One, I was more given to rabbit trails, Mm -hmm. things that weren't necessarily wrong or spiritually unhelpful, but they just weren't helpful to the sermon. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mind would just kind of connect to something and I would follow that trail. Consequently, when I preach from an outline, um, you know, three page outline, my sermons ended up being twice as long as when I yeah. preached from a 12-page manuscript. That's right. I ended up preaching much longer than I needed to. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I think it's a it's a rare preacher who can hold people's attention well and do adequate justice to the gospel in the text um, 
that needs to preach an hour long. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I don't think we need to be dogmatic about sermon length, but in general, when I'm preaching from a shorter, you know, from shorter material, I preach much longer. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, the, the outline guys, they could hear that and say, well, the same thing is for what you just said about manuscript is true for us too. You know, that, that might be true at the beginning, but if you stick with it, you'll right. learn to cut the rabbit trails. You'll, you'll know when they're coming. Yeah. You, you'll kind of feel that. And so I do want to say that there's, there's legitimacy to that in, yeah. in exactly what you said. You're going to get good at whatever method you do, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I noticed was because um, – and this is just from the last 10, 11, 12 years of doing public ministry and doing a lot of extemporaneous speaking or even just on the podcast. I don't have a script or anything. Yeah. When I'm doing it you – know, when I'm speaking extemporaneously – I know it's my habit. There's lots of ums, ers, crutch words. <laughs> yeah. You know, somebody noticed that there was a, a good stretch on the podcast where I was using the phrase what have you a lot and what have you and what have you and what have you. Even my kids started making fun of me. <laughs> and and nothing will make you work harder at getting rid of something. But I tend to notice those things as I'm saying them. And my yeah. brain's going, why are you doing that? Why, you know, <laughs> you don't need to do that. Uh, yeah. So when I'm just speaking off the cuff, I say um, er, I do little catch phrases mm-hmm. um, or, cr- you know, crutch phrases that I can completely eliminate. So it's a much cleaner presentation. It's uh, it's a much more polished presentation. If I'm doing the manuscript, um, you know, you're able to write down exactly what you want to say. That doesn't mean I never deviate. Of course. Uh, you know, yeah. those sorts of things. But in general, I'm not searching for my next word. I've, you know, thought it out pretty well. And I don't have those little crutch phrases that kind of detract right. from uh, the quality of the presentation. Um, I, you know, so, uh, last year I was at a conference listening to a speaker who was giving a long presentation and he had some notes I could tell, but he kept using this phrase. Um, he was asking him questions. He was basically asking for a show of hands on things. So he kept mm-hmm. saying, how ma- um, uh, okay. How many of you da, 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 okay. And how many of you da, 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 okay. And how many of you da, 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 okay. And how many of you? And he did it like twelve times in a row, and I thought I'm di- I'm dying. <laughs> like he's shooting me with a BB gun in the same place, and I, after a while, it's going to go right into my brain. And I thought that's a fellow who he's got a crutch phrase, right? right? Um, and so I think preachers should be aware of those. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do, um, it's not extemporaneous in that you're just trying to think of what you want to say. You've prepared, you planned. But if you're working from an outline, which means you're searching uh, for what you want to say next, and and it's you know it's not written down for you. You need to be aware of those little okays, all rights, right. ums, ers, all those sorts of things. And I think most preachers, especially beginning or younger preachers, tend to underestimate how many times they do that. Mm-hmm. When we do our preaching labs at um, Liberty Baptist, I track every um, er, uh, eh, whatever. And I always ask the guys when they're done, how many of those do you think you had? And they always say like uh, eight. I'm like, no, you had 42, <laughs> right? <laughs> you had like 10 times that. This was basically um, you just humming. Yeah, exactly. It was just a white noise hum. Yeah. I didn't even hear a word 40 minutes. in there. Uh, right. I mean, and, and I don't think we notice those yeah. until somebody points them out and manuscripting can help with that. What are some advantages um, for manuscripting? Just to kind of. Yeah, I think for me, and this this can be taken in a strange way or maybe sound silly or felt humble, but I just still really feel, and maybe it's because I'm really early on in my preaching ministry, mm-hmm. you know, I've been a pastor for about six years now, <clears throat> but I just still really feel the weight of the whole thing. And, you know, people ask me, do you get nervous? And the answer is absolutely yes. And I, I tend to be comfortable in 
public speaking, those kinds of things. That doesn't make me nervous, but the weight of the actual act of what's happening, yeah. heralding the word for the people of God, um, it, it's it's weighty. And with that conviction, just the, the weight of pastoral ministry, also with another conviction that I actually want to preach to my people. I don't want to preach to a hypothetical people who don't have first and last names or real problems or real pains. I want to preach to my actual people, you know, not, not an, a hypothetical group of people. And those two things lead me to manuscript a lot. And what, what I mean by that is the, the weight of the thing, it just helps me to get everything out on paper, kind of on the table, yeah. move it around, be able to see it before I go into the pulpit and just know uh, what's what's here is faithful, what's here is true, what's here is right, what's here is good, and it's, it's going to feed my people's soul. And then the second, those like rabbit trails, you know, if you're pre- if you're preaching to a hypothetical people, well, those rabbit trails don't often aren't dangerous. But often, what I'll do is when I'm preaching, I'm thinking of so many people, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, I'm, the people that I love and that I care for, and that I'm responsible to shepherd towards Jesus. And I want to be careful with their stories as well. And so I don't. I never want a moment where an extemporous, you know, m- moment in preaching leads me to share something in an unwise way. Yeah. Or to fumble the facts with someone else's story. And, and I, so I just want to be careful with the biblical text. I want to be careful with theology. I want to be careful with my people's stories. And I just want to – I would rather just manuscript the whole thing yeah. and shepherd those things well than, than trust myself in moments of, you know, rabbit trails. Yeah, and so uh, related to that, I think I would recommend – and what I say to our residents is – you don't have to take a manuscript into the pulpit if that's, you know, if you're uncomfortable doing that or you think that's just not the best approach for you. But I still want you to manuscript your sermon yeah. because it, it it brings more thoughtfulness to bear. Mm-hmm. Don't simply outline and then think, oh, I know what I'll say about that or I know what else. Actually write it out what you, you know, if you could preach it exactly as you would want to preach it. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's typically what I do with my manuscripts is treat it like it's <sighs> the first time I'm preaching the sermon. Yeah. How would I say it if I could say it exactly as I wanted to? And then that's what I take into the pulpit. And there may be some editing and moving around, but I even have those who want to preach from an outline write out a full manuscript because now you're giving a, a cohesive train of thought. You're not just thinking in terms of scattered chunks yep. or, or assembled chunks. You're thinking of a through line. You're seeing uh, – you're writing out your transitions. That's one of the most, I think, underrated parts that, of, that's of exactly preaching right. as well is is those you know sort of clunky transitions. But when you're – manuscripting, even if you're not preaching from it, when you manuscript ahead of time, you're thinking through how does, you know, what's the connective tissue? How do I get from this element to the next element? How do I move from the end of this exposition of point two to the beginning of point three? All those sorts of things, I think, should be thought out really clearly um, and thoughtfully before you go in. And then if you are preaching from a manuscript, um, it's just so helpful to just have that there. You've brought so much fullness of thought to bear in your prep time and composition time that now you're not having to kind of worry about, all right, where was I going with this? Or how do I connect that? Which happened to me. And, and I gave it a good, you know, almost 10 years of, of, of the other way. So I knew it wasn't for me to do that. Yeah. I tell, I tell our guys all the time as we're thinking about preaching that transitions are where sermons go to die. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, you just, you, you've seen it, you know, when a guy, he wants to go from point A to point B and he's just caught, does not know how to make, the transition. And uh, if you've written it out, you've thought through that, you know, yeah. you can kind of feel the flow of it. So a couple of other uh, benefits, I think, to manuscripting are 
if something happens, so I, I pastored a church where we have four pastors and uh, it's happened before where I had to take to the pulpit with about 35 minutes of notice. Okay. And well, I've manuscripted every sermon I've ever preached. And so I have them all yes. pretty readily available. And so <laughs> if I'm, if I'm called, I, I mean, all preachers have that two or three texts. I don't yeah. need any notes. You know, you give me Ephesians 2 or Galatians or something in Hebrews. I don't need notes. I can just go open the Bible and use it. Uh, however, manuscripting, I have about 100 fully written, yeah. thought out sermons that I can that I can be ready and, and quickly use if that crazy time, you know, ever happens. The other thing that is is helpful there in that same same vein is if someone says, you know, if they accuse you of saying something, oh, you know, right. hey, you said this, yeah. I can say Actually, I know exactly what I said. <laughs> right, Here's right. what I said. I have it written yeah. down word for word. And I can typically um, defend myself if that, if that ever happens. And yeah. so I even – you might laugh at this, Jared, but I even footnote my my okay. manuscripts just in case. I just want to be above yeah. board in every way. And so if I'm quoting someone, I, I put a note. If I'm using uh, you know, material from a commentary, I'll, I'll just put a note. I don't typically say those things in the sermon. Right. But it, it's just always there to kind of protect – you yeah. know, longevity and faithfulness. And then finally, another thing that I that I think matters, and you'll appreciate this as a writer, is we. I think John Piper is right when he says that typically it's sentences that change people. Yeah. And more often than not, I'm going to craft a better sentence if I sit and stop and think and write yes. than just off the top of my head. Yeah. And so those like powerful clauses that, you know, your people say, oh, my word, that – I might not remember anything else he says, but that sentence is going to get me through this week. Yeah, uh, those are often clauses that I've thought about for for quite a while and, and prayed about and and have written and deleted and written and deleted and you know um, those are not just coming off the top of my head. I'm just not that brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that's a great point, but not that you're not brilliant. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. W- what you're, yeah, uh, uh, you know, being able to be thoughtful and and, and artful about yes. what you're saying, yes. um, I think is helpful. On on the resource side, uh, you know, sort of the positive, um, you know, side of what you're mentioning in terms of somebody saying, I, you know, you said, you know, X, Y, and Z. You know, obviously, there's a, you know, these days most people record their sermons. You could always say, well, I'd go listen, you know, listen listen to the podcast together and, and, <laughs> and see what I really said. Um, but there's also the positive end of that where you now have a written resource. Yeah, um, I know some guys who who preach from outlines, they, you know, transcripts are produced, that sort of thing. But you have a more polished written resource now. Mm-hmm. I've had people say, you know, I don't really listen to podcasts. I don't really, but, you know, could I get a copy of that sermon? Absolutely. And I can send them the manuscript. Um, you're also, for guys who, you know, want to multitask and, and you have a church blog or you write articles for a website or maybe you want to do some book writing someday, it's a lot more helpful to have a more fully expanded uh, resource from your sermons to work from than having to go back. I've gone back to some of my early sermons and thought, oh, you know, I preached through Habakkuk at mm-hmm. my church plant, and maybe I could do a short book on Habakkuk. And I've gone back and looked at those outlines and, and thought, <laughs> I have no idea what – and there's no audio available anymore. Yeah. Like, what was and I thought, saying? Well, yeah, what did this – it meant something to me that week, <clears throat> you know, that one little line. I knew what yeah. to say when I saw that. But going back 10, 12 years later, I'm thinking I have no idea what that refers to. Right. I, I, you know, I don't know how to fill that in. So manuscripting just provides a more enduring kind of resource, I think. Um, like Dr. Kruger, we certainly aren't urging any kind of dogmatism about this. Mm-hmm. Preachers need to see over time. That's the key, uh, um, I think, component to this. See over time what works best for you. Don't give up on, you know, if you're committed to outlining philosophically, don't give up too early. 
you know, give it some time to see if, if you really are an outline preacher. But on the flip side, um, don't give up on manuscripting too early either. Don't assume because of week four, week six, that you're, you're just so tethered to it that this, you know, that's how it's always going to be. So you're never going to do it. Give it time to develop. Um, and I think some of the downsides that we assume might be mitigated and maybe even eliminated. Um, I know a lot of um, preachers who preach from full manuscripts, and you wouldn't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I both preach from full manuscripts. I've never had anyone say, um, it just seemed like you were up there reading the thing. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've, I've had people surprised that I was preaching from a word-for-word manuscript. The only exception that sometimes I make is um, for illustrations. I'll, I'll have, you know, maybe a two- or three-line thing because I want the story to feel more extemporaneous. Mm-hmm more personal. Sometimes I write those out. If there's a quote, something I want to get right, or a passage from a book, you know, that I want to share. But if it's a personal story of some kind or, or some other anecdote type thing, um, I usually don't write all of that out necessarily. Yeah. I don't know if you're the same way. I am, yeah, only yeah. on personal stories. If yeah. someone else's story, I want to make sure it's right. You want to make sure you get it right. I don't care if I lie about myself, I guess. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if outline preaching, um, there's more of a danger of plagiarizing. Mm-hmm. Something pops into your head. You don't know where it came from, but uh, maybe that's eliminated just by rehearsing well and, and kind of pre-planning uh, thoroughly. So I hope this you know episode was helpful to you, to the preachers out there. We certainly didn't come down on one side or another, like you've got to do it this way. Um, I just would encourage um, every preacher not to short sell manuscripting if you're giving to outlining for some of the advantages uh, that we mentioned, um, and just to kind of push away a sort of dogmatism about um, one approach, you know, no Preacher is is made the same. No sermon approach is made the same. Um, and so you just need to figure out what works best for you in serving your people. Mm-hmm. Um, are your people best fed by the approach that you're currently using? That may be the best question to ask. We thank you for listening. And uh, we, as always, we hope that you share uh, the podcast with the friends. Give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts. I know there's a million different platforms on the computers. That's what I was hoping you would bring it back yeah, up. If you got, Full circle. If you've got computers, there's probably a million different ways you can listen to the podcast. But however you do it, we're grateful for you. And as always, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.